You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and as you can see, because we are on video for the first time, I got Drake and Dave. The triumphant has returned to conquer your airwaves. I don't know if they're still airwaves because it's not radio or it's podcasting, but you know, whatever. Guys, how are we doing? Oh, we're just doing great, Max. It was great to be on video. I'm glad everyone just gets to see this face that I enjoy looking at in the mirror. I'm about to say, Dave, you're looking hella good right now. What's up, baby? What's going on? Beautiful. You got smooth skin. Got going on. Max, you look All good. right. So anyway, today we got a great show for y'all. As you know, if it's your hundredth time here, you don't need to hear this. But if it's your first time here, we are Max, Drake, and Dave, two lawyers and a lobbyist. We love Florida State and we love talking. So we put those things together to bring you Locked On Seminoles every single day, Monday through Friday. I don't know. Best part of my day. Hope it's the best part of yours. we got a great show for you today. Today, we're going to talk about recruiting because, well, you know, we've got, what, eight weeks now of just, just a ton of fake momentum, just purely fictional momentum that keep getting all these recruits from fictional momentum. So I love it. And then we're going to do a little uh, a little hypothetical, as the lawyers like to say. We're going we're gonna to look at the season after D-Day. You know, this week we've talked about what the depth chart looks like on offense, what it looks like on defense. And then we talked about yesterday, what's at stake during the Notre Dame game. Now we're going to look at what is life going to look like on September 6th after that game's completed. But gentlemen, we got some exciting recruiting news. Drake, a guy decided to pull the trigger a little early. Don't you? God. This ah, week. That was bad. I heard. Dan, come why on. Don't you tell, why don't come you, on. Why don't come you on, tell the folks about it? So the momentum, as I like to coin it up, Continues. We landed Jalen early in offensive tackle from Duncanville, Texas. It actually sounds a little bit familiar because Chris Parson, the 2023 quarterback that committed to us, I want to say about a week and a half ago, about a week ago, week ago, played with them actually, I think last year or the year before. We actually played in the state championship together. And he is a large body. I think he's like six foot four, 320. One of the big things that we had, like Max kind of was alluding to the other day, that he wants linemen that are taller and larger. And his wingspan is probably one of the biggest out there. And I think this is good because I think it's like our sixth lineman commit. And to me, this is kind of shows that, you know, attrition might be coming. Like Dave, I think we'll talk about it a little bit also about other kids that were in on like Armella and uh, Pritchett. But I think it's starting to show that we're we're starting to be able to land our top tier blue chip linemen. So I mean, we might see some kids that go out like one of Max's boys, who I'm afraid might be going to Georgia and, and Aluba. Yeah, but do you think that that attrition needs to happen one and two do you think that other schools have room for them i mean we've we've talked on and on about a huge advantage that florida state has on the recruiting trail is we have spots for kids whereas a lot of schools don't because of the COVID holdovers i mean is it is it unrealistic to think we could end up signing six or seven linemen um i don't think it needs to happen i mean i, I like every single one of the linemen because they were picking up because they were really Really saw. I think part of it is like you are not going to be starting from day one if we land all eight kids. I just think the math does not end up that way. And like Dave has alluded to also that a lot of our linemen are underclassmen. And also if we land kids like Armella and Pritchett, you're going to see kids like in the middle be like, hey, I can go to another school who already is known to have a better offensive line and they have a spot for me. Why not? I just go there, which I don't, you know, fall kid for doing that anyway, because you're one against eight. Yeah, but if let you're me, let me if you're sorry, go ahead, Dave. 
let me take issue with one thing you said. You're not sure if we need to do that. I'm here to tell you we need to sign as many blue chip offensive linemen as we can. I liked what I saw oh. last year. We is that not what you meant? That's we not what, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. No, no, he, he okay. meant he meant if we're gonna get our top tier, then we can start Wait. letting the bottom tier sort of filter themselves out that, of there. And also, like we don't need to cut kids. I'm like, I like all of the kids that we've talked about too, anyways. But I don't know if I don't. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I don't know if our top tier of offensive linemen are the ones we don't want to lose those ones for sure. In the bottom tier, probably don't really have a ton of better opportunities. And if they do, they're probably going to sit at those schools too. Like if a kid can't break the starting lineup at Florida State against kids in his own class, is he going to break it at Georgia? I, I don't know. I I see what you're saying, but I, I I find that hard to believe. And I my third point before I I hand it over to you to talk about Jalen early is I think um, offensive linemen are realistic just like we are. They know it's a high injury position. They know it's a depth requiring position. They know that there's all there. They're, I don't want to sound like I'm saying, oh, kids will get hurt and being a pessimist, but you get what I'm saying. Like they know that it's not like wide receiver where if there's three guys clearly ahead of you, you're not going to really see the field, you know? So I, I don't know if you get as much of that natural attrition or if you get more okay, let's still go to Florida State, and if I can't break the lineup, I'll hit the portal with the instant transfer now. Here, here's all I know. I know that we got better at offensive line last year, but we still aren't crazy deep at O-line. And we have now four blue-chip right. linemen committed, two of them at tackle, two of them interior. I'm not going to blindly trust these coaches, but if they're telling us, hey, we need these kids, and that's going to cause other kids to leave, if it happens to be the kids that we consider the better ones currently here, I'm not going to be upset at the coaching staff for thinking that's important. And, you know, we're, and that's a fair point. I, I, I don't, I don't even care to be done at the O-line. If they, if they say we need 10 blue chip O-line recruits and they can bring in 10 blue chip O-line recruits, bring them all in. I don't care. Let them fight it out. Let us see who's best. I don't care. Yeah, I, I mean, even... I, I, I'm not arguing that I don't think we should take eight or ten kids. I think that we should take as many kids that want to come in. I'm just saying that if you have eight kids coming in, all freshmen, I think maybe at the most three are going to start maybe after year two, if we're being completely honest. So you're going to have seven kids or five kids, you know, at the least left over. So maybe you go to a school that also has offensive line problems, like there's some kids that, you know, might want to go to Miami who are from the Miami area, their offensive line is also pretty poor and they actually have a chance to start. And if they don't even start there, Max, they can use the transfer there as well. So to me, like that's kind of how I'm looking at it to see how the kids would be thinking through that. Cause like eight kids, that's a numbers game at the point, but I'm Dave, I'm with you. I trust Atkins who they want to pick out. If you want 10 kids, give me 10 linemen was right. Cause from the development that we've seen since last year and hopefully into this year that I'm actually super excited about what linemen we have in store for, you know, for the future. Yeah, and if we can just have, again, consistency across the offensive line, that's the biggest thing. Last year, we were always one injury away from falling apart. And again, O-linemen yeah. get hurt. I mean, I don't think there's ever a game where – I don't know what the number is, but I would set the over-under – I would probably say it's about at three of how many offensive linemen on each team are going to get helped off the field at some point during the game. They may come back in a few snaps, but you have to have that depth there. And I, I don't know. It, I think they're, those are very fair points, Drake. To me, I don't know if kids are necessarily thinking, oh, I, I'm only, I want to go where I'm going to be a day one starter if they think Atkins can develop them in a system. But again, with eight, then you kind of run into, well, are you ever going to see the field a la Dylan Gibbons? That's how we landed him. So yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I am, I'm in the camp right now of just get as many as you can and see what sticks yeah. to the wall.
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if we knew the answer to that, Max, we would probably out there be working for them. Recruiting making kids a lot more and money. Also making a lot more that money. Much. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Folks, if you wish you were making a lot more money, but you're not, well, I got some good news for you. Your car may be like making some weird noises. It may need a new headlight, may need a new taillight. I don't know what the situation is, but you can fix it for a lot less expensive than you were originally thinking by doing a couple of things. One, go to YouTube, pull up some videos, first watch our video, and then pull up a video on how to solve XYZ problem. After you do that, go to rockauto.com, find the part you need, get it fast, get it cheap, get it reliably. Well, I guess the shipping takes care of reliably, but you know what I mean? It'll be the right part when it gets there. Check out rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Yeah, welcome back, folks. Now that we're on video, Drake has removed the blue light glasses. I want to say something in your defense because it'll sound like you're lying if it comes from you. Those aren't sunglasses. They're legitimate blue light glasses. <laughs> look, lawyers look at their computer screens a lot, unlike lobbyists who just kind of look at our phone screens a lot. But I get where he's coming from. So we're going to talk about what does the world look like on September 6, 2021. And guys, I want to take a moment. I'm very proud of us. This is the most structured stretch of four episodes we've ever had. So again, if you haven't been following along this week, go back to listen to Monday for the offensive depth chart and kind of position breakdown. Tuesday, we do the defense. Yesterday, we talked Notre Dame. Today, we're going to talk what does September 6th look like under various circumstances. Guys, I want to be happy first because I like being optimistic. I'm in an optimistic mood. I've had a great day and I'm ready to roll. Let's say we win that football game. I, I don't I don't want to get into how we win it, what the score is. I, I, I think we've agreed a win is a win in that football game, no matter what it looks like. What does the world look like on September 6th relative to us winning that game? What are the ripple effects of it? So, Max, you and I talked about this last week, I think, right? Like, if we win that game, all of a sudden that first, I think it's five or six game stretch, mm-hmm makes those players in that team, I think, and the fans too, feel an awful lot like maybe we can run that table. Because if we're good enough to beat Notre Dame, which, by the way, you didn't know is who we're talking about for September 5th, Labor Day weekend. Yep. If Saturday we can beat night, Notre Dame, 7.30 p.m. Sunday night. If we can, That's why I meant, Sunday sorry, night. Sunday night. If, I, if we can beat Notre Dame, who the hell in the next, like, four or five games scares you? Because our problem has been not winning the games we definitely should or at least probably should win. And that's a game I don't think we should win. And I don't think it's a North Carolina situation last year. Like, we should be better than last year. And I don't think it should be as big of an aberration as that North Carolina game probably was. We played say, Notre Dame say, tight. Can I say something y'all aren't going to like to hear? Oh, uh, I was going to be very negative. I was going to wait on you guys to, like, be very No, I, I was, I was going to say. I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been the positive one about this game. I think if we win this game, first of all, Dave, you're absolutely right. It would be okay. Mike Norvell, you know, caught lightning in a bottle at, with North Carolina and Doe Campbell. Now he's proven he can beat good teams multiple times. However, we all remember the famous, what was it, a vine at the time? We're back after Texas beat Notre Dame. I, I think it will raise, unfortunately, more questions about Notre Dame than it will positive conclusions about Florida State in the broader media in the broader college football uh, ecosystem. It's like, oh, they lost Ian Book, right? Like, it's easy to explain for them. Right. It's, oh, well, look, Notre Dame can't even beat Florida State. They lost their whole O-line. They lost the transfers, blah, blah, blah. That being said, 
I think that's the broader ecosystem. I think when it comes to the recruits that are at that game and the team in that locker room with Mike Norvell and Atkins and, and I don't know who on defense can actually recruit Randy Shannon, I guess in those kids yeah. ear going, Hey, look what we just did Sunday morning before they go to the, uh, I mean, can you imagine Sunday morning before they take them in the convoy to the airport, they're showing them films of a win over a top 10 team. And they're able to say, Oh, and by the way, let's, let's watch that Notre Dame touchdown. See with, with you back there, Travis, they don't even catch that ball and we win by another touchdown. You know what I mean? Like that would be huge for the recruits, but I am worried again, greater, greater ecosystem. We never get any credit. It just becomes, Oh, well, Notre Dame is a, is a fraud this year. See, I think, I don't know, like talking to people like in media and stuff like that, they're, I, they, I have the perception that when, if we win this game, that actually it's a lot more to see what, how Mike Novell has, you know, built the foundation back and brought Florida State back to the perennial powerhouse, the blue blood that they are, and they should be on top of college football. So it's because a lot of people like, as much as we say the media hates us, they want us to be good to even hate us for even more reasons. And that's kind of like how I see, I think Notre Dame, I think there are questions, there are questions for them to begin with anyways, but I think a lot of them see, like, see them as overrated. That's kind of like how I look at it. I think their game's always overrated, though. I think they're or, sorry, Phil, but they're always seen as kind of overrated. You look at their playoff appearances. I don't know if they were ever really picked to go to the playoffs. 2012 is seen as probably one of the greatest flukes of all flukes. And thank goodness we got out of the BCS after that year because that year I think encapsulates why that system was horrible. Yeah, 2000, what was it four with TCU? Probably does that a little better. TCU and Auburn in that situation. But anyway, I think Notre Dame is, I don't know. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, maybe that's just because I was, I was raised with a dogmatic devotion to hating Notre Dame, but I, I always kind of feel like, I don't know. They never really deserve that ranking till they prove it. And it seems like when it's time to prove it, they always lose. So man, I don't know. Let me, let me, let me tell you this. I don't really care. A lot of people get pissed off with the media says, oh, it was Notre Dame that lost. I care what that locker room thinks. I care about them coming out of that game thinking, oh, wait, we can actually be good, right? Because yep. then all of a sudden, we're not losing games to Wake that are just like, wait, how did that happen? Yeah, and I blown wonder... up by Louisville and then gotten blown up by Kenny yeah. Pickett, who literally had, what, like a bunch of Tordal in his knee or whatever he had to do for to play that game because he literally was like, what, on a, like on a cast the week before. So, yeah, that was tough. That was tough. Well, let's not take a don't, as they say in Wagon Crashers, don't take a, ner- a turn to negative town. I think you look at the rest of the schedule, and I think you're right, Dave. Those, let me say this you have to play the games. So the team doesn't become a different team because they beat Notre Dame. But I do think mentality is so much a part of sports. I think the way you practice, the way you play, all comes back to how you're feeling about your game and how confident you're feeling. And let's be honest young kids they're immature for the most part they tend to blame other people heck as adults we do the same thing and that's really i think where the mentality comes in you lose that game very few college players will be you know what that was on me a lot of them are gonna go oh it was this unit it was this position unit and they stop trusting each other they start trying to do too much on defense how many touchdowns did we see given up last year that were very clearly one unit, not trusting the other unit. So they were trying to do their assignment for them. Like a cornerback was trying to grab a guy in a slant, stick with him for too long, and then they get beat over the top in a, I don't know. So that's that's what I worry about with the So what mentality. you're saying is collectively as a unit, we didn't look good last year. <laughs> you got to look good as a <laughs> unit. Yeah, that is exactly what I'm saying. And if you think we're going to look good as a unit, well, you could put some money on it. 
You can go to betonline.ag. You can play our line of the day from yesterday, and that's Florida State at over five and a half wins. But gentlemen, let's get another betonline.ag yeah. line of okay, Dave, the I see day. You. I see you, Dave. We got week one lines on betonline.ag, and there are some very, very juicy lines here. I'm going to give you guys one that is, well, a little near and dear to my heart. We've got Wisconsin and Penn State opening the season at Wisconsin. The line is set at minus four and a half. Wisconsin is the favorite. How do you all feel about that one? All right. Look, you know my feelings on Wisconsin and Nebraska football. They're just so unnecessary. That's a good word for it, right? I don't know that Penn State's going to be any good. Crazy that they're recruiting well, given the record last year, but I'm never going to bet on Wisconsin. Don't care who they're playing. Give me Penn State in the point. Even if there's a fire? Even if there's a fire. <laughs> yeah, James Franklin is a better coach than Paul Christ. Graham Mertz is a better quarterback than Jack Cohn, so I'm actually going to be taking Wisconsin to win this game. Huh. Wait. Oh, I thought you were going to thought you were gonna yeah, go the other right. way with that one. Well, okay. Wow. Anyway, all right, guys. I got two quick hitters for you. You got to answer them both simultaneously. Drake knows the rules. You're only allowed to answer with the team name. No justification. I've got you guys lined up with the Alabama-Miami game. The line's minus 18. (laughs) And then Georgia-Clemson, minus three. Clemson's the favorite. Where are you guys going on those two big marquee matchups? Bama minus 40. That's easy. And and Clemson-Georgia? Clemson. Georgia. Minus three. Okay. Georgia plus three. All right, boys, that was our bet on line.ag line of the day. If y'all want any more further advice and why they made those snap picks, hit them in their DMS on Twitter or something. I don't, I don't know what the kids do nowadays, but let's talk about the other side of the coin. If we have a scenario where we lose to Notre Dame on September 5th, Sunday night under the lights, 7 30 PM in Doak, what does the world look like Monday morning, Drake? Ah, <sighs> Well, if we lose a contested battle, like we said before, I think everything that y'all were talking about actually is still going to happen. Recruiting will be happy that we have to be able to point to all that stuff like that, and it'll be good, you know, smooth sailing for recruiting as well. If we get blown out, as in like Virginia Tech kind of despair, that means that nothing has changed at all whatsoever. That means the defense is still bad. That means a quarterback, Mackenzie Milton, is probably nowhere near what he wanted to do. And the transfers didn't do much of anything. And that honestly, we probably would be lucky to win four games. So that's kind of how I see it going on if that happens. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's sobering, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That was a, that was a, that was a, that was a big dose of just, Jesus that was like Christ. a shotgunning a Red Bull after a night out. Just, Whoa, I'm up. Yeah. So uh, if we, yes, uh, if we, if we're close in that game. I said this last week. I also expect it to have the same effect as a win. I think that means we're way ahead of schedule probably because last year we were close. The score didn't really indicate at the very end that it was as close as the game itself was. But if the game ends really close, I expect that to come off as a moral victory. And I hate that we're still in that spot, but that's where we are. The, my bigger concern is we, talk, we also talked about this. If we, if we lose big, I'm not going to go that negative, but I will say the next five games, we're not going to lose to Jacksonville State. God, I hope I'm not wrong about that, no matter what. But all of a sudden, if we're getting blown up by Notre Dame, those, yeah, we probably shouldn't lose those games. We're going to lose a couple of those games. 
you're talking Wake, Louisville, Syracuse. All of a sudden, I don't feel great about running that table. No, I I, I agree. I, I think there's a couple of things at play here. If we lose a close one, I agree with Drake. I don't think losing a close one is all that much different than winning, other than the fact that we won. Yeah. In the fact, in in the sense of what does it do for recruiting? I think what does it do in the national stage? I think are pretty different, night and day almost for what it does for Notre Dame's reputation. I don't know if it really does much different for our reputation in the national ecosystem. I've said ecosystem. Actually, I I disagree with that because I watched the power ranking show with David Pollock and Joey Galloway yesterday. And they, they've already resigned the fact that Florida state is basically, they, they didn't say it, but they might as well call it a dumpster fire. And if we actually play the game close to Notre Dame, that'd be like, okay, maybe the starting turnaround, maybe we're going back to this. So even a close game, you'll get that sort of result, especially from like people at ESPN. Well, I, I don't, like I don't want to take a super turn to negative town, but I think it is, I think it is worth, worth talking about for a moment because I mentioned it earlier this week, we did beat Notre Dame last year, but boy, were we a bad football team last year. And folks, I know that when you're of a certain age, time moves faster, but the reality is for non-Florida State fans that don't wear these kind of logos, that don't have, you know, garnet curtains and Florida State memorabilia all over their office. I'm not saying we're going to become a Nebraska, Dave. I know that's your fear. I don't mean this like that, but we probably have been just written off by a lot of people at this point. It's sad to say, but the reality is no one is going, oh my gosh, how could Florida State only win six games? Like they're just thinking, yeah, Florida State will probably win, you know, six, seven games, five or six, whatever. And they don't even think about us anymore. So I think that's a good point, Drake, that if we keep it close, maybe it gets us a little bit up there. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a depressing day if if we don't if we don't pull off the win against Notre Dame. I think well, I don't know. Well, I don't know about that because like <laughs> Dave, Dave, sorry, you go ahead. Let, let, let me tell you what's more depressing, Max. I don't really care what happens against Notre Dame. They're probably better than us. They should probably win. I'm going to peg down for you right now. If on October 23rd, we don't leave that stadium with a 50-point win, I am done watching football for the next five years. It, it, is that I, UMass? Yes, that's yes. UMass. That's the okay. fighting wall pals. Honestly, if UMass scores more than 14 on us, if they score a touchdown, I'd be pretty upset. I'd There's s- no reason the worst team in the FBS, had, coached by – one of the worst offensive coordinators of all time, <laughs> great hair, horrible play calling should score a touchdown on us. Yeah. We shouldn't, they shouldn't be even allowed to play in the same field. But, they, but should, they shouldn't but, be FBS period. To be quite yeah, but that's not, that's not what we're talking about. Sorry. I took us, I kind of Drake, you just sobered us up so much. And I kind of boom, hit the, hit the down seat. I do want to, I do want to add some color because that's what we're here for. We're not here to just accept things and let them roll on. That's what mentally, you know, put together people do we talk about florida state football for a side gig because we aren't just you know maybe we don't have the healthiest tendencies and we like to talk about this abusive relationship we're in with florida state sports every single day so anyway if we don't win that game (laughs) and it's a blowout i do think it'll matter why it was a blowout i think yeah and, and let me qualify that i don't mean I don't mean a 52 to 10 blowout. I'm thinking more like a 26 to 52 type deal. I did last year. There were a couple games where the offense was clicking and it's like, well, you just can't let teams score 45 points, but I don't know. Alabama lets teams score like 40 points. Now, I guess that's just college football. So I don't know. I I don't know who to put that blame on, but I think it will matter which side of the ball. If the offense looks good and the defense looks bad, it's going to be, Oh no, 
here we go again. I think if the defense looks good and the offense just doesn't quite score enough points, you know, maybe I feel like, I, was about to I say. guess I trust Norvell and Dillingham more to correct as the season goes on. But if I see a bad defensive performance, I'm with you. I'm just like, well, that, all right, let's get the money and let's get landing in here because this ain't working. I'm about to say, because that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Because the offense last year wasn't that great. It was, it did decent things at times, but it wasn't that great. If the offense this year, because I'm expecting for the first maybe five to six games, our defense is still be kind of like, you know, going through a lot of growing pains. If we're, our offense actually keeps us in games and keeps up with the other person's offense, I'm perfectly fine with that. Let me ask this. What do you think is an acceptable loss? Because we keep using this qualifier of close loss versus blowout. Where do you think that line yeah. is? I, I I think, based on what you were just saying, I think a good defensive performance where we lose by like, 10 to 13 points, but they're not putting up 40 on us makes me mm -hmm. think, okay, they've actually been practicing things like tackling, for example, like that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably exactly with you there. I think 10 to 13, that's like the sweet spot. I'm like, okay, improved. I also am in the camp that please don't let them score. Don't let Jack 50. Cone of Wisconsin fame, allow yeah. an offense to score more than 40 points. So if you me, can't win a starting quarterback job, and I know I said, and I, I stand by this, my biggest fear is he just has this amazing game. And we're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> but if you yeah. can't win the starting quarterback job at Wisconsin, Wisconsin. They, they don't even really have, I didn't even know they recruited quarterbacks. I honestly thought they just like, after the first couple of days of practice, they just looked over at the kickers and were like, Hey, which one of you is the tallest? And can either of you throw the ball like five or six yards if needed? And then they get I whichever mean, with one that offensive that line best. with that offensive line and running back help. That's probably what they should do. But Dave, I'm with you there. I think a 34 21 kind of game. If that's yeah. the loss, I will be ec ecstatic with that. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's going to come down to, I think about 14 points is where I am. If there's maybe 17, I could deal with ideally it'd be like a seven point game. And then, you know, maybe they score a garbage time touchdown because I think the timing of all of it matters. I don't want to know the outcome of the game until there are single digit minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think that's going to matter a lot too. If it's one of those 14 point games where they get up by 14 and we never let them run away with it, but we also never get back in it. That'll also be incredibly disappointing. So I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of, I guess, how I would, how I would define that. But we also have to see flashes. If we lose, I've got it. Y'all know, I love this team and I know y'all are in the same boat. I know everyone listening to this is in the same boat they've at least got to give me something to defend on Twitter the next day, right? Like something's got to improve. If we just look like the exact same team from the Duke game last year, well, probably take I can't see defense optional. I, I can't see defense optional turn style again. I got to no. see something better than last Duke year. Duke was That's one not of our Florida best State. games from last year, man. <laughs> That was oh, one of our best God. games last year. Dude. Yeah, we, we were like a fifth grader beating up a first grader on the playground. So I mean, yeah, sad. we beat them up. But <laughs> no, I mean, Duke was, Duke was a complete game. But I mean, I don't want to see that team on the field again. I want to see a much improved version of that team. I need the version of the team that beat UNC last year. That is or the or the version of the team that beat Michigan half a decade ago at this point would be nice if they could if they could come out onto the field. I'd really enjoy that. But I think we belabored the point enough. Gentlemen, final thoughts. What do you think happens? Give me like, I don't know, give me, give me something. If we win the game, what is your hot take of like the win that produces? And if we lose the game, 
what's your hot take of like a crazy consequence that you could actually see happening? We win that game. I think we beat North Carolina again for a second year in a row. I, I don't know that we start six and zero, but I think we win that game. If we lose that game, I think we probably drop two of the, if we lose that game and it's not close, I think we probably drop two of three against Wake Louisville Syracuse. And, and that would be a pretty disastrous scenario for me. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, oof, two Ooh. two of three against Wake Louisville and Sir. The sad part is we actually did that two seasons ago against those <laughs> teams. So, <laughs> right. Uh, well, <sighs> if we win this game, we will all be starting Mackenzie Milne's Heisman campaign. College game Damn, day. We already have college game day. Will be coming to Clemson when we play them. When we're both ranked, we're both probably in the top fifteen. Maybe we'll be in the top ten. If we lose. I'm not going to say – I mean, Adam Fuller getting fired, to me, it's not crazy if, you lose, if we lose this game by bad, badly. But to me, I think if we lose this game, I think Mike Norvell might be going into next season as a lame duck coach because we will definitely be losing against Wake, Boston College, Miami, NC State, and Florida, and we won't make another bowl game, maybe win four or five games. Gosh, that's depressing. I think – here's my good. My good is that if we win this game, I legitimately believe that locks in both Travis Hunter and Sam McCall, and we end up – Regardless of if we only win six or seven games, I think we end up with a top 10 class. If we lose, Drake, I, you kind of took mine, but I'm going to go one step further. The way this Notre Dame team plays and the way I think they would beat us if it became an ugly loss, I think Chris Marb also gets fired because I think if we lose this game, it will be a lot of running and a lot of short passes. And I think at that point, we just say, hey, Chris Marv's a bust. He's got to go and take your coordinator with you. So folks, thanks for stopping by. Sorry to leave you on a sad note. I'll leave you with something happy. I got this, uh, this hat at the FSU Seminole golf course. It's really well done and they have their own cool logo. So that's something happy. We always try to leave you with that here at Locked on Seminoles. Thank you for stopping by. We can only do what we do because of what y'all do. And that's listening to us. And that's going into your podcast and giving us a five-star review, letting us know what you love about us and why you keep coming back. And that's also hitting that follow button. So every single time we publish a new episode, which is Monday through Friday, it pops right up to the top of your feed. I'm Max. That was Drake. That was Dave. And this was Locked on Seminoles. We're winning this game, folks. Take care, everybody. I miss you, Jimbo. Gosh, I want to win so bad. I'm so tired of moral victories.